We're back here on the podcast, another weekly installment. It feels so good, Caleb, to be back to a weekly podcast coming out on Fridays. Um, the idea there is I don't really know of many other good podcasts that are on Fridays, so I'm trying to fill in the gap for you people. I'm doing this for you and myself, I suppose, and Caleb and everyone else who's a part of it. But uh, we're trying to fill that gap on Fridays. And a lot of people travel on Fridays. And uh, I would be one of those people who, I don't know, maybe once every six weeks or so, I go and visit my parents or something or go visit a friend or uh, have a work trip of some kind. And so a podcast is a wonderful companion to bring along for the drive. And if you're like me, you have little kids with you when you go on those uh, weekend drives. This is your warning right now. You may have noticed the little like uh, watermark E for explicit content on this episode because this is a uh, really tough to listen to story. It's a uh, story that um, is probably the craziest story I've ever heard. And I've listened to thousands of podcasts. It is, I've listened to many podcasts on grizzly attacks. This is the most hardcore one that I have heard. It is, uh, and not to take anything away from anyone else who's survived a grizzly attack. Uh, just this, this is uh, a, a, as I think as far as a person could be attacked in the back country by themselves and by some miracle come out alive uh wherever that threshold is for not surviving that situation jeremy went right up to that threshold and bumped into it a few times and somehow didn't quite cross over that threshold i mean it is you you will listen to this and you will be changed on the other side of it um as i was as i'm sure caleb was when he listened and uh everyone else that i've talked to about it uh have been And uh, this story is going to have explicit content. So if you have kids around you right now, we always try and keep this a family-friendly podcast and do that on purpose for the aforementioned reasons. But, you know, get them to go to sleep or something so you can listen to this thing or uh, wait till they're not around. But uh, this is an important story. Um, As I was just talking to our guest, who I'll introduce here in a moment, Um, when I went on my hunt, my uh, black bear hunt, uh, in grizzly country last spring. Uh, this was something that I thought about quite a bit, uh, because I have, uh, three little kids now and I have a wife and I have a job that needs me to be there. And, uh, so I thought about, uh, the reality of, man, what if things really, uh, went downhill quickly and I got attacked by a grizzly? How would I, how would I survive? You know, how, what would I do? And, Um, I don't think there's an answer to that because every situation is so different. I don't think we can look at, at these circumstances as somebody who didn't live and experience it and say, Oh, you should have done that. Oh, you should. I mean, if they're alive, in my opinion, they, they did a lot more things right than they did wrong at least. And, um, uh, but the common denominator in all these stories is incredible perseverance. I mean, toughness of the highest degree to uh, 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 get through these incredibly brutal uh, 
circumstances and uh, come out on the other side um, alive and and able to um, tell their story. And so that's Jeremy. Jeremy is going to serve as our inspiration, our coach, and uh, our storyteller in this episode of the podcast. Um, I think it's good for anyone who plans to hunt in dangerous circumstances, and it doesn't just apply to grizzlies or uh, mountain lions or whatever dangerous animal. It applies to hunting in areas where, um, you know, you could, you could, fall and get hurt pretty bad and have to self-rescue could be in a situation where um you fall in the water and the during a really you know like a winter hunt all your gear is soaked and now you're trying to uh keep from dying of hypothermia this is an episode that helps show us that with true grit and determination um we can we can uh put forth our best effort to uh try and get back to safety and uh first of all jeremy just so honored to have you on the podcast um your story is incredibly inspirational thank you so much for lending us some of your time no problem thanks kent and caleb i'm excited to get this do this yeah, yeah, we we are really excited to hear you uh, coach us up a little bit. Tell us about your experience, and um, you know, uh, just learn to be better equipped for the backcountry ourselves as fellow hunters. But uh, let's start right there, the fellow hunters part. Let's start with the good, the good stuff, the happy stuff. You're a big hunter. You still hunt. Uh, and, uh, I saw some pictures on your Instagram. You have a lot of impressive animals on your, your wall at home. Um, you've obviously hunted in a lot of different places for a lot of different, uh, game species. And, um, actually I want to finish this episode with getting some advice on, uh, hunting sheep. Now, were you hunting uh doll sheep on this hunt or bighorn? Bighorn. Bighorn. In Alberta, we only got the bighorn. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so hunting bighorn sheep, obviously that's a bucket list hunt for pretty much every serious Western uh, hunter. And uh, so definitely want to get coached up a little bit on that towards the end of this episode. But uh, what was your best day of hunting ever? If you had to narrow it down to one. Uh, that's a tough, that's a tough one. I I think uh, almost be probably quite a few years ago. Uh, I just got back into bow hunting again. I bow hunted for a uh, majority of my life. I shot my first animal at 12 years old with a bow and wow. hunted all over North America and uh, Africa with a bow. Uh, the one that actually sticks out the most was uh, right here at home. Uh, I was hunting a whitetail buck. To me, he was probably one of the biggest whitetails. I'm sitting in a tree stand. And he'd always come by in the middle of the grain field at you know, 50, 60, 70 yards was unable to get a shot and I was getting frustrated with him when I was complaining to one of my buddies and he said to me he said well why don't you crawl out there and shoot him in his bed I'm like well you can't hunt whitetails in six inches of grass in a bald head of prairie <laughs> and he's like well how do you know I mean you don't have them now if you crawl out there and he runs away you don't have them there but at least you tried at least you did something <laughs> it's so I sat there for a couple minutes thinking about I'm like yeah okay let me try so uh, seven and a half hours later, a rainstorm, some hail, 
I got within 30 feet of the deer sleeping and I shot him at about six feet with my bow and arrow in his bed. It stuck him right to the ground. <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it was, it, it was the greatest feeling ever. And then, uh, after that, it was like, nope, no more tree stand, spot and stock. Uh, right after that, I went after, uh, elk, mule deer, um, pretty much everything spot and stock. It's so much funner now. And I kind of, you know, picked up a few tricks along the way there. Uh, you know, I'll, I like to get close and I get too close to the point where you, you can't move and they stand up and you're screwed and they run away. Um, <laughs> uh, so now, now, you know, you get a little tricks where you can take like an egg timer with you and you throw it in the grass beside you and let that go off. So they're looking at that. So you can draw your bow back and shoot. I mean, you know, I've perfected wow. this over the years, but that's, that's probably the, the best, the best day of hunting I've had. That cool. is some insane skill, man. That's, that is awesome. So ha- have you been successful harvesting some of those other species too with, with similar methods like elk and, and muleys and so, such? Yep. I've, I've shot, uh, over, uh, over 14 mule deer with a bow, uh, it's bought in stock. Uh, I got wow. six bull elk, couple, couple moose wow. and, uh, Oh, at least a dozen or so whitetail bucks with doing that method. Wow. Dude, you are a serious hunter. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting to have like the craziest bear hunting story or uh, or bear attack story plus the craziest like hunting experience. So so you do that exclusively now. You're you're spot and stock up into super close range. Yeah. Uh wow. I, lo- I love it. Uh, like antelope, I shot an antelope at uh, about 15 yards with my bow and arrow sleeping. Uh, elk, I've got, uh, like I said, uh, six bull elk, and most of them have been really close within, you know, 20 yards laying down or or feeding. Uh, most of them are laying down. Like I use the egg time to throw it beside me and draw my bow back, and then when it starts going off, they stand up because they don't know what it is, and they look at it, and you're able to get that quick shot off. Um you know, sometimes some of the bigger deer, like mule deer, if they hear a noise, they just get up and bolt. But mm. the odd, the odd weird sound, they don't know where it is, and they stand up and they're focusing on it, and then it gives you that two, three seconds to get that shot off. Man, nice. that is that I've is never crazy. heard that method. Yeah, that is that's is brilliant. that uh, you're saying that laying down? I'm I'm curious to know. Like obviously, betting is important, but does bad weather, like on that first one, does that play a factor? If I can dig a little deeper without you giving away all your secrets <laughs> yeah the weather does uh play does help out uh but the other one is approach from the approach from the animal on a 45 degree angle from their head just come at run direction of their eye and along you could really walk up to a deer sleeping or laying there and they won't pick you out when you got just that one corner of their eye looking at you you can literally walk right up to them and they don't even notice you until you're right on top of them i mean wow don't move fast you know don't just wave your arms out, but you could you yeah. can move up on a deer pretty quick. So are um, you are you trying to get like that quartering away shot? Is it like kind of like slipping behind like diaphragm, lungs, heart type of trajectory for your arrow, or are you taking any shot they give you at that range? Mostly broadside. I try to go for okay. the top part of the armpit into the other shoulder. And they usually don't go far. Yeah. I most of the shots are broadside. I don't. Uh, I don't like taking the front on or walking away. Sure. Uh, most most of the time broadside because I like to, you know, I like to give the animal a, a, a 
I don't know how to put this politically correct. Uh, quick death. <laughs> I don't want you know, yeah. wounded deer. I've passed up on more big deer because I didn't want to get that. I want to get that perfect shot because they deserve it. Mm-hmm. Not a. I don't want to wound Absolutely. them. Right? Yeah. yeah, man, that is that is awesome. That yeah, I need to practice what you're doing, man. I I still haven't gotten. I haven't sealed the deal with my bow yet. I've killed a, a decent amount of deer with with muzzle loader and uh gun but uh not ever been able to quite get it done with my bow so i need i need your nerves man i need i need to i need to be able to like sit there and and just keep still for for that that is that's some good hunting though that's that's really wild to even to even go after some of those species with a bow uh to me puts any hunter at a next level in my opinion and uh i I mean, to tag any of those animals with a rifle or muzzle or is a, is a great feat in my opinion, but to, to do so with a bow and to do so in that spot and stock and to really close, uh, distance is, is just bonkers. You got to try that on, um, coos deer, uh, down in like, uh, Arizona or Mexico or something like that. I just hear they're, they're super hard to find and, uh, they're super spooky, but man, if anybody could do it, I think you could, uh, with, with, with that resume that you have. I would love to try. I mean, where I hunt now is mostly is on the prairies. Uh, my wife won't let me go anywhere near the bears, and the prairies is you know 500 kilometers away from the nearest bear. So I got had I had to adapt to the environment. Sure, sure. sure. Well, that is that is awesome, and I would love to uh, see those prairies. There, I actually uh, uh, work on we call it a prairie farm um, here in Iowa. Of course, used to be all prairie, uh, like probably much of Alberta still is. Um, but, uh, we have almost none of that left anymore. It's all been, uh, converted to uh, row crop and, uh, we grow seed so that when people do set some of that land aside, uh, they can return it to prairie. Uh, but <clears throat> that sounds like a beautiful setting to be hunting in and, you know, something probably what my state, what Caleb in my state, I should say, would would have looked like, you know, yeah. 200 years ago when hunters were having to get it done there. So that is, that is really cool. Uh, what else is on your hunting bucket list? You got, have you done any bison hunts yet? Yeah, I've shot, uh, I've shot a bison up in Northern Alberta and then this, <laughs> year, this, yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. A, of course you have. It's a <laughs> no, big <I'm> animal. <laughs> Uh, it's a big animal with a bow and arrow. Uh, you know, I shot one, and of course, I'm sitting there. There's a 2,600 pound animal laying on the ground, and uh, wow. I'm by myself. I'm uh, quite a few k from the truck. What do you do? <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, you just it, it. It was tough. I mean, you got 300 pounds of hide to deal with because I was smart and decided I was going to have a nice rug at home. So I, uh, you know, peel that off and try to drag that out, and then the quarters. You know, looking at around 200 pounds a quarter. Uh, wow. I got. 760 Man. pounds of meat out of that guy so it was wow. pretty good it's best is that what's your favorite meat is that the best meat or moose or uh you know caribou's at the top of the list uh elk and moose are next wow man that is that is so cool um i i guess the only animal i could really like think of in north america uh would that be like a uh muskox maybe have you have you hunted any of those yet? Not yet. That's on my list. It's on your list, man. Are uh, you using um, 
a compound bow or are you like on a traditional bow these days or you're getting so close i had my mind is thinking you could use about anything so i right now i mostly use a compound bow uh but i have shot several deer with the long bow and a recurve open sights very cool very cool yeah that is that is so cool and uh man super inspiring too you're uh you really push yourself there to your limits with with uh what you know how you hunt I, I can't imagine doing something much more challenging than that really really cool and uh uh just cool that you've been able to have that experience with pretty much all the big game north america has to offer um how do you know i've heard people say that uh well actually the the one guy i think of uh he grew up in canada and uh uh, I'm not sure which province it was, um, but he said that he'd hunted, you know, moose. Uh, I think he'd said elk. He hunted uh, mule deer. And he said that whitetails were the toughest, like, nose to beat or, uh, like, just the, the toughest to to get close in on. Have you found that to be true or uh, or something else is a lot more challenging? Um. All species are very challenging in their in their environment. Uh, Whitetails are tough. I mean, uh, just be downwind of them. Don't move around a lot. Uh, I mean, smell wise. I mean, I don't sit up. I don't sit up wind of them and stink and smoke sure. and you know have showers. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's mostly just being downwind from them. Uh, their whitetails are. Once you know, they'll notice movement pretty easily. And they'll pick out scent right away, but uh, no different than mule deer or elk. Like elk is just as tricky as a whitetail. They'll just sure. get up and bolt. But I mean, you can call them in pretty easily during rut. Mm -hmm. Well, whitetail too, you can rattle them in and grunt them in pretty easy if they're really riled up. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they're kind of the same. Hmm. Yeah, you'd be the good. You'd be a good guy to to say to me. Just from watching, I've never hunted them, but just from watching like hunting shows, it seems like mule deer would be more challenging than whitetails. Just they they it's almost like they have that sixth sense where they you know a guy will be trying to sneak in, he's got the wind right, and then all of a sudden he gets into that like crucial you know forty five yard mark or whatever and boom that thing's up it's just up and bouncing out of the screen i think mule deer are the easiest really by far <laughs> mule deer are the easiest you could walk up to a mule deer and kill them with a spear they're <laughs> yeah mule deer are pretty easy i mean I've, i haven't shot anything over 200 inch for a mule deer uh, like a gross score but i've shot some 180s high 170s <laughs> um wow. but uh they're the by far the easiest you can That's pattern them yeah, whitetails are a little tougher. Like, so I've shot way more mule deer, big mule deer bucks than I have whitetails. Hmm. Um, That's interesting. I don't know, maybe they're easier to spot out there in the field and then crawl okay. in on them. When a whitetail, they kind of hide in the trees, so it's hard to uh, see them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so it's sure. great getting your perspective on this. This is, wow. I, I don't know that I've ever interviewed somebody with quite the hunting resume that you have with, with all these different species. Makes also, me want to move to Alberta. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, we can hunt pretty much the only thing. Uh, well, in Alberta, we can hunt the mule deer, whitetail, moose, elk, bighorn sheep, goat, bison, and did I say antelope? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you uh, said antelope. Yep. I think Alberta is the most 
is the most species you can hunt in any province. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. And, um, black bears, of course, they have legendary noses on them too. Do you, do you find black bears have their, their nose is tougher to beat than a white tails? No. Black bears are pretty, pretty easy. Same thing downwind. Black bears can't really see very well, so they're pretty easy to stalk. But if uh, you get on the upland side of them, they're going to spook pretty quick. But the majority of black bears, they're pretty easy to stalk. It's hard to judge them, though. Uh, black bears are hard to judge. They're mm. just like a big ball of fluff. And tell if you got a big one or not, it, it's hard. Oh. I still struggle with it. Um, mm. I've only shot – I've shot uh, well, two black bears, three – they all been off of bait. I've done some spot and stock, but it, like it said, it's tough to to judge them. I never shot one spot and stock because it just you don't know if you're looking at a cub or you're looking at a you know you know a fairly decent sized bear. Sure. Um, Interesting. It, when they're by themselves, it's tough. When you got two bears together, you can kind of tell mm-hmm. which one's bigger. Um, well, and like in really open country, like you're talking, like in prairie grass, you know, there's not. So I well, when I when I went hunting. I missed my shot at 350 yards with my rifle. Um, uh, but there was like stumps, you know, like fallen trees around. So like I had those reference points to tell how big the bear was. But if you're like in, you know, grassland, you don't even have that to go off of. Well, the bears aren't uh, on the prairies out here. We had the odd one that wanders out there, but a majority of them in the foothills and the mountains. So they kind of like that edge. Like the edge forest uh, grass or, or more they, forest, more forest. More okay. Forest. More swamp kind of swamp land. So you get them in the thick bush, but it, like I said, it's hard to, it's hard to judge them when they're standing there. You know, there's little things, tall tail signs like the ears, you know, on the side of their head and look a little bit smaller. Uh, you want a longer snout. Cause that usually uh, tells it's a male versus a female has oh, a okay. much shorter dished face on them on a black bear. Uh, and the way they walk too, they'll a bigger boar will kind of swagger. He's got like a very stiff front step, and his front paws are kind of turned in more. Sure. Um. Yeah, that's, like that's I said, it's, like it's a, big a challenge. Old, that's kind of like a big old buck when a big old buck is walking. You know, they, they just kind of they move like an old man almost. You know, <laughs> whereas like a you know the, a young buck is like all springy and bouncy and still, you know, like a young like a young kid would be. You know, whereas that old buck, he's like you said, he's got that like slower gait, and that's a good point. But it's the it's the hair on him though that throws it off. Like mm-hmm. all bears look massive until you get them on the ground and laying on their side, and you're like. Man, that was a huge bear, and you walk up to it, and you're like, mm, yeah, don't look at it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, man. They're yeah, the one that gets a lot of ground shrinkage. shrinkage. Yep, yep. Oh, man. No, but it's still an honor just to, to get a drop on an animal like that. They they all are equipped in their own way with their own uh, unique uh, capabilities, and it keeps them alive, keeps them uh, thriving in a pretty harsh world. Well, that's a perfect transition right there to uh, our main topic tonight. Jeremy, as great of a hunter as he is, and I think I'm so glad that we talked about that because I had no idea. I mean, I knew you were an experienced hunter, but I had no idea that it was uh, to that extent. Like literally, uh, this. So this is going to be episode 113 of the podcast, and uh, I believe you are the most experienced hunter I've ever interviewed up to this point. So 
absolutely on on my end here too yeah oh (laughs) so to and i've talked to some some uh uh really incredible hunters too jeremy so uh that's uh, definitely there there's some weight to those statements there but but um it helps i think establish the background well for who you were in this situation you were somebody who was more than capable in the back country. You know, I think probably a lot of times people think, Oh, if I was there, I, you know, I would have done this. And you knew your way around the woods as good as anybody could. And, um, you knew how to hunt, you knew how to, uh, you know, uh, be smart, I guess you could say in the back country. And yet on that fateful day, uh, you were on a sheep hunt, um, for just from my background research that I did, uh, everything went wrong right yeah like like you said it uh, i spent 17 years in that area looking for sheep and never harvest one to date you know 17 years one bear mauling i'm still work, working on getting that uh, that ram in hmm. um wow i've you know known that area quite well i've uh hunted in there for weeks and weeks at a time uh the longest stint was a little over uh 35 days looking for sheep wow and that's you know starting in uh early September and finishing mid October when the snow gets so deep and it gets so cold that nothing, uh, everything freezes, you know, it's hard to thaw and anything. Mm-hmm. Um, on that day though, I, I made a, a pretty big error. Um, all summer long, I was, uh, look in there looking for sheep and I found a band of rams in there where I normally hunt and, and I was staying on top of them. I was following around all the mountainside every weekend, checking in where they're going to be, so I was super excited when it came to opening day. Uh, I mean, a week before the season started, I was in there with a good friend doing some fishing. We found the rams right away. I'm like, oh, great. They're in the same spot and the same drainage. This is perfect. We caught some fish, ended the day. And then when it came to uh, the day before opening, you know, I wanted to get out there, set up camp, find the ram uh, the night before the season opened. And then opening day, pick my ram out, harvest them, and then pack up and head home and do a little short four-day trip. Mm-hmm. at most uh so that morning when i got out there i was super excited it was you know two thirty, three o'clock in the morning pulling up my truck and uh, i normally ride my bike in it's uh, a little over uh 15 16 kilometers to the very back uh bowl where i normally set up my camp and so that morning i hopped on my bicycle and uh, actually well i was getting loaded up my gear my bear spray was in uh rolling around the back of my truck so uh you know just being excited i tossed it in my backpack thinking uh Hey, you know, what's the chances of me, uh, seeing a bear or having a close encounter with a bear? It only happened once before, you know, spent a lot of time out there. I'll take a chance. Um, so then, uh, hopped on my bike in the moonlight and, uh, made the trek in and about, oh, I guess about probably seven, eight kilometers on the way in. I passed a couple cowboys who were sitting around a campfire, uh, having their morning tea and, uh, I remember the two guys looked looking over in the moonlight at me and one guy had the biggest Lanley McDonald mustache and bucket hat, <laughs> cowboy hat sitting there and wow. they're, they were sitting there drinking their coffee and they're just shaking their heads. Like, who's this crazy kid? You know, as I'm riding past him on my bicycle and, uh, up the hillside and, uh, um, then I got way into the back where the trail ends. There's, it's kind of like a road goes in and then it goes from a road down to just a single trail through the trees and then you got to cross a couple of steep drainages. After you get across the drainages, it turns into more of just a game trail on the hillside. 
not, I mean, maybe less than, you know, a dozen people go there in, in, in a year. Uh, and then you get a little bit further back in, it opens up to where the creek comes out of the, out of the mountain, right? The spring is. There's a nice little picnic table I carried in there and got a nice little spot all set up to sit there and watch sheep from. Uh, on my way into there, got well, almost all the way in. And I come up the one drainage. And as I come up over the top, I know some sheep on the hillside. Um, and so then I was just kind of slowly making my way, moving 10 feet, watching for a couple minutes, moving 10 feet. And this is where the uh, the willow brush kind of ends and the spruce trees kind of all spotty. So I'm just kind of skirting through, make sure they don't see me. Mm-hmm. I got to one, one little opening there and uh, I can see, you know, half a dozen or so sheep. I got the binoculars up. I'm like, oh, is my ram in there? Just looking, looking. I had my uh, elbows on the handlebars and looking across. And then I kind of repositioned myself, brought my binoculars down. As I did that, I noticed this little brown thing run in front of me at well, mm. less than 10 feet. I knew right away what it was. It was, uh, it was a grizzly cub. Uh, I mean, it was mm. just, I knew the color, the size. I was like, uh-oh. Uh, at this time, my bicycle's in front of me, and my backpack was leaning against my bicycle. So as it ran by, I got that feeling of, like, this is, uh, I'm, I'm screwed. Uh, where's where's mom? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, the baby ran by and now here I am. Uh, so I was reaching into my backpack to grab my bear spray. As I was doing that, I heard a branch break over my right shoulder. As I was turning over to look over my right shoulder, there was mama. She was less than four feet away on a full charge. She had her one paw stretched completely out. You could see her claws. You could see the whites of her eyes on the, on the mm. left side. Uh, her mouth slightly open. You could see her teeth. Uh, she was right there. All I had, all I could do was just grab my bicycle frame and I just stepped aside and dropped the bike frame in front of her. Uh, her head went through the, through the frame of the bicycle and she had on like a necklace picked and shook it off. And when she shook it off, she turned to me and I had my backpack. It was a frame pack, uh, a bad lands ox pack with the frame on the side. Mm-hmm. So I grabbed, I was holding on to that. And the part that goes against my back was in the bare space and I smashed her in the face with it. And started beating her over the head. She grabbed the pack and tried shaking it, and I was holding on. And I was beating her more. Uh, she managed to grab my hands uh, and pin them against the pack frame and crush my fingers and put some big holes in them. Uh, anyways, so, I got so, her to... So were your fingers broken at that point, like a couple of them? Um, yes, probably. <laughs> so, so you <laughs> They got broken several times. So so you at this point, you're already, like, losing some dexterity and... And being able to, like, like handle, say, a gun or, or be able to grab a knife or something like that, because <laughs> your fingers are getting jacked uh, up. N- no, it was more my palm. Uh, she put two uh, golf ball sized holes in my palms. One in oh, my wow. one in my right hand, in between my pinky and middle finger, and then on my left hand, there was one in between my. Uh, middle finger and index finger and thumb. So there's about a golf ball size hole in each hand from her tooth going through oh, and so just she, kind of opened it wide him. open. She bit him like right there. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So Man. holding onto the frame, her jaw clamped around the one and crushed it. Oh. And then I was favoring and smacking her with the other side and she managed to grab the other hand. Uh, you know, they're lightning fast. Uh, oh man. So it's just basically, she's just almost like, you know, just slapping her mat, her jaws, snapping them just like, like a mouse trap. Snapping kind of. away. Wow. Yeah. Man. Uh, and then when I smashed her in the nose and right directly in the face, she, uh, 
she kind of started backing away and she turned and she turned away and she was walking away. And so I'm, I'm backing up trying to watch her and I'm trying to pull my gun off my pack or unzip it to grab my bear spray and I'm fumbling. And I just remember I looked up and she had spun around and she was coming back in for what I call round two. So she turned, she spun around and she come in about 30 feet away and then she took two leaps and she was literally at my feet. I mm. threw the pack oh. at her and I turned and I ran up the mountainside. And it was about a 35, you know, 35 to 45 degree slope up the side of this mountain in the bush. So I jogged up there and the idea was I'm going to run up the hill and jump off the edge of the hill into a tree just so I can get some extra height uh, quickly. Uh, I figured she'd be out my pack, you know, chewing on that for a second while I got away well as i'm running up the hillside i can hear her behind me you can hear her whoo, whoo, she's just puffing away and and uh i managed to get up uh under a spruce tree jump into a spruce tree and i got about five feet up five six feet up my uh where my head was in the chest my uh right leg was hanging low and i was trying to bring it up you know as quickly as possible she was at the base of the tree looking up at me and she stood on her hind end and just reached up with her two two paws and wrapped around my uh, right leg and she was pulling them down and her jaw was coming up, snapping at it. And I knew, you know, I was looking down going, ouch, this is going to hurt. Mm-hmm. And then uh. her teeth wrapped around my right, around my right knee. And to my oh. surprise, nothing hurt at, at that time, but you can just see her jaws just clamp right around it. And then she just, just uh, jerked her head and pulled me right out of the tree. Like nothing. Mm. Uh, so, so she hit got, the she got like uh, around the out, so like the inside and outside of your knee, like the sides of your knee. Is that kind of how her correct. mouth so went around you? She was biting, uh, uh, from the back of my leg and her teeth went around on either side of my kneecap on the right. So oh. her, she was basically behind my leg chomping towards the front. Oh, oh wow. Man. Oh, so at that point, were, were you like, okay, now I'm officially in a point where it's going to be hard to walk, run? Because did she do that much damage, or was your were you still structurally intact with your knee? Uh, no, she did a lot of damage. She uh, actually ended up tearing all the tendons in my right leg, and she suffered wow. them all right at the knee. Man, my goodness! So when she pulled me out of the tree, I hit the ground quite hard, uh, and, and I was close enough to the base of the tree. I uh, skirted myself underneath the underneath the spruce tree, and I wrapped myself around the base of the spruce tree, and hoping that the spruce brows would protect me or clawing at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this wasn't a very big tree. This is maybe a eight inch or ten inch caliber tree. There's not very many big mm-hmm. trees up that high up. Sure. Um, so she's clawing at me, and she's getting frustrated. You can just tell. She just reached in with her mouth, grabbed me by the uh, left side. So I was laying on my right side wrapped around the tree she grabs me on the left side right at the just below the ribs and the love mm. handles area just grabbed me picked me up and then threw me just one shake of her head i probably went about five six feet i hit the ground really hard and the wind was kind of knocked out of me um i was laying on my right side again and i was trying to crunch into a ball and uh as i was crunching the ball she was on top of me just like lightning fast she was there within half a breath really oh wow and her and this is where the majority of the damage happened her uh, first bite was on the left side of my face uh her her two front canine teeth caught me on either side of the left eye right in the corner where the tear duct is and uh. the uh, corner of the nose and then the other side of the eye and she crunched down 
crunching the whole left side of my face all the way from the corner of the eye nose all the way down to the jaw and as she's biting you just feel everything popping and cracking and um you just feel some immense pressure and then it just like give way and kind of like burst like a balloon whoa um, that and is, so the first that is just brutal man right so so at that point are you no longer able to see out of that eye uh kind of yes and kind of no uh, i don't really recall it happened so quick uh so that first bite when she bit i uh you know i'm just laying there going well you know it's supposed to play dead and mm-hmm. it's really hard to play dead when something's chewing on your face oh, uh, i can't even so imagine, immediately dude. Immediately, I was, I was like, screw this, you know. Uh, so I rolled over and started punching her in the face with my right arm, poking her nose, trying to stick my thumb on the corner of her nose on the ridge and trying to roll her side of her nose back, mm. poking her in the eye, grabbing her ear. She was snapping at my hand, and and then she come down to bite me uh, a second time in the face. Oh. And it, it was kind of like a... a Kind of like an all sweet moment, like you know, you're in a fight and you get that chance to throw the uppercut. It was, it was kind of a. <laughs> that, that felt that felt pretty good at that point. <laughs> I can't believe yeah. you describe it this way. <laughs> kind of crazy. It's you know, I call it like one of those all sweet moments. Like it's perfect. She had a wide open chin, you know, you know, do the nice little uppercut. But she's her mouth was wide open. She was coming down to bite me in the face, and I punched my left hand directly into her mouth. And I just remember my fingers sliding across her tongue. You could feel at first it's kind of a little bit scarred up and you get the little bumps in the hair. And then you near the back of the tongue gets a little more like soft leather and I can feel the ridge line all the way down. And um, I shoved my hand right down into her throat. I wrapped her tongue around with my uh, my pinky and my thumb and wrapped her tongue, held it, held it tight and my index finger and middle finger were shoved down her throat. And I was holding on and she was gagging and kind of well, gagging and almost like throwing up and huffing really hard. Man. And it, while she was doing that, uh, her back feet were digging into my right side and you feel the claws and they were hurting and I'm trying to push her off. I got my hands on her hips and I'm really trying to, I'm trying all I could do to push her off with one hand while holding my, uh, with my left hand in her mouth, holding her tongue. Um, her nose is, well, halfway to three quarters down my forearm so my whole arm is just literally oh, sunk right man. in the mouth are her teeth just working at your forearm then too while you're yanking on her tongue uh she couldn't really fully close her mouth because my fist and that was kind of in the back of her mouth and okay she, she couldn't really close but she when she did close her mouth her back teeth caught my uh pinky finger and oh. knuckle and it just shattered all that uh oh, man so I'm pushing on her and my hand slipped in and I hit something kind of soft and, uh, the belly, you could tell, you know, thinner hair and, um, you, well, you can feel it's a little softer, not as much muscle, muscle to it. So I knew it was the belly and I reached up, uh, between the legs as high as I could. And I grabbed something that was, uh, soft and fleshy. I, I originally thought it was balls and, uh, it wasn't, it was the female body part. Um, I was grabbed a hunk of skin and soft stuff with my uh, right hand and I twisted and I pulled when I did, when I did that, the bear let out a a really deep, deep squeal, like a pig, like a really deep squeal. And she was definitely in immense pain. She was uh, shaking, um, bucking and just 
squealing and gagging so, so at the same your, time. Is your other arm up in her throat still at this point too? Yep. One arm's wow. in her throat and the other arm's holding on to her. So she's making a horrible sound. And then I kind of felt like she got the picture and, and, uh, she, I let her go and she took off squealing, running across the hillside, just defecating all over me and all over the mountainside. And mm. Whoa. She, she took off. So it's just so then, like, it, it's just like, I mean, short circuit her whole system when it's like, she's never felt anything like that before. No, I definitely could tell that she was just. She, what and she hell? probably never has. My, Su- I can't super believe dis- that. Super, <laughs> super distressed situation for her. I mean, just body's going crazy there. So, so you, you probably are feeling pretty good at this point. All things considered like, okay, got her off now. Let's assess the damage. Is that, is that kind of how you're feeling? Well, uh, at first, uh, well, I got, a, I stood up right away and I dusted myself off. Uh, I'm like, well, that sucked. And then, uh, I walked over to my pack, like nothing happened. I pulled out, uh, my cell phone to take a picture to see what I looked like, to see how bad it was, you know? And I took a picture selfie of me. It's in the book and I'm missing, uh, the whole left side of my face. Really. It's all peeled down my oh. left eye kind of hanging there. We're not quite, my left eye is still kind of intact, but all the skin around it's gone. So I, you know, took that picture and I'm looking at it going, well, uh, this is, you know, either I go over there and shoot that cheap or I can go on a bear hunt. And it was kind of what I was thinking. And um, I can't believe you're thinking that way too. I remember that the, <laughs> the first time I listened to this, I was <laughs> like, he's still thinking about yeah, hunting I know. Sheep. You're like, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was pretty upset because this was my year to shoot a sheep. You know, I tried so hard. This is... I was in there every day and I finally found one. I was so excited because I knew he was legal and I just, mm. it was just my time. And then the bear happened. Uh, uh. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, this sucks. Uh, and probably a little bit of shock, but I still want to go out and do some more hunting. Cause I only had four days off and this wow. is day one. Uh, and it was nine 30, nine AM was when the, the first attack happened uh, well, I'm sitting there on my pack and I got my gun out off my pack and I'm just sitting there debating, like, what do I do? Do I go home? Do I, you know, do I stay out here? Can I bandage myself up? Um, so, so how I, much time, how much time had passed during that attack? Was that just seconds when all of that took place or was that like a couple minutes? So I've been wondering that too. Yeah. Like I'm interested to know up to this point, uh, it was probably about 10 minutes in total and about Man. 60 or so seconds that I've actually physically fought the bear. And, you know, wow. the first round with my backpack smashed her in the face. And then the second round, when she pulled from when she pulled me out of the tree to taking the bite of my face and me grabbing by the tongue, you know, it's probably around 60 seconds of me physically fighting the bear, 45 to 60 seconds. Man. So, so wow. the, uh, the rest of the time you weren't actually in contact with her. Like, uh, like she wasn't attacking you. You weren't, you weren't fighting her. So of those nope. ten of those ten minutes, nine minutes was kind of just like wow of wait, intense waiting to battling. see waiting to see what's gonna happen next, right? So, yeah, is that, so like is that run- ten minutes from when you saw that cub run past you till you get her to run off. That took about ten minutes. No, um I guess so let me step back a little bit here. Uh, so when the, from when the cub ran in front of me and the first contact I made with the mother to the, to when she ran off, uh, after me grabbing by a tongue, that was probably a whole two to two minutes, maybe three minutes in total. Wow. But during that two to three minutes, only about 45 to 60 seconds was me in direct contact fighting the bear. Hmm. Wow. Man. So super, super quick. Like, Very fast. So, yeah. 
and I mean, you've had some serious structural damage to your body at this point. How did you just like, was it pure adrenaline that allowed you to walk after she just shredded your right knee? I mean, how on earth were you able, were you limping really bad or like, what was going on with that? I was about 60 feet or so I had to walk and I don't recall having any kind of trouble. I think it was more, just more initial shock and just not knowing that there was that kind of damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it quite set in yet. Um, like sure. I said, I don't, re- I don't recall having any trouble. It was after that, that I started having the trouble okay. um, walking or standing. So, so now, you know, from the selfie to me pulling the gun and trying to load it up, that probably five, six minutes have passed now. And I'm sitting there, you know, got the gun and just loading up my clip thinking like, you know, what do I do? You know, sitting there. And then I heard what sounded like somebody taking an ice tray and cracking ice out of it. You hear the ice crack. Uh, and I remember looking down at my hands as I put the shells in and everything just went numb. My hands dropped to the side. I dropped the clip. She had come back and grabbed me by the back of the skull. And she started to drag me off the trail into some bushes. Oh. And I just, so she's got me by the back of the head and I can just see her paws on the side of me, digging in the ground, pushing. She's, and she's oh. like heaving and dragging me on my butt backwards. I don't recall how far she drug me, but it felt like, it felt like a little ways. When she stopped, I was still kind of sitting on my butt hunched over. And her, uh, the first thing she did was her right claw as she was holding me well, the back of the neck and his skull, her right claw caught me on the, uh, right side of the face below my nose, above my lips. And she peeled all the skin back, my right eye, uh, crushing my eye sockets and ripping everything all the way back, taking off my right oh. ear. And she was chewing on, uh, my sh- shoulder and neck area oh, uh, man. and just ripping. And she was chewing on the back of my head, and kind of like a dog on a bone with her side of her teeth just kind of crunching away. Oh, Jeez. man. And you could just feel, the, it's like being at the dentist when you're all frozen. You could feel them drilling and you think oh, you're yeah. cracking. But it's, I didn't really feel pain at that point, but you could just, it just sounded like a dog grinding on a dog bone. Oh, um, man. So as she's chewing away and ripping on my right <laughs> side, she removed all the skin from my head, from, uh, basically the base of my skull all the way forward off of my face and down to my left side on the collarbone, uh, was all shredded and kind of, my whole face was hanging there man, in pieces. My man, man. left, left jaw was, uh, ripped out and hanging there. My, all my teeth and everything was exposed. There was I got a fully de-scalped, basically all the skin off my head peeled completely off my nose and everything was all off. Uh, so she's, just ripping and tearing and what, what do you think she, her, uh, what do you think her like intention is at this point is she is this a predatory thing for her at this point is she trying to eliminate a threat is she trying to assert dominance like what like what is she what do you think her aim was when she came back well at, at the time uh i we thought it was a predatory attack just because Coming back and keep coming back, you know, thinking she's mm-hmm. going to eat you. It just didn't I, fit. At, at first, uh, when I first was in the hospital, I don't, I always remembered one bear and it came back three times. We fought three times. And then through all the flashbacks and everything, I, re, I remember more and more and more vivid details. I always remember, though, from the start, 
seeing something brown run in front of me and I get that feeling like you just like you're totally screwed. Yeah. And that was really stuck in my head mm-hmm. from day one. And then it kept coming back. And then later on through the hospital stay, uh, through the, through the flashbacks and nightmares replaying over my head over and over again. And my notes, uh, it kind of come in a little more clear that there was a second bear there. And so I oh, first thought it was a really? predatory wow. attack. And then, yeah, cause remembering the second bear, uh, then wow. it was more of a defense attack. And the, just the way the situation was where the, where I was, it was kind of like a triangle in front of me. There was a cliff going down to a Creek and then there was a drainage on the other side of me. Uh, and then behind me was the mountains. So it was kind of like a little point and the cub ran down past me down into the Creek. And so the only way for mama to get down was to go past me down to the Creek. And so when she came back, I think her idea was to kind of drag me out of the way or, you know, I'm still a threat to eliminate the threat for getting back to her cub. And that, and that was the first like major attack after the backpack attack. That was, that was, was, that was the second. The tree was pretty bad. Uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. So this was, that was mom pulling you out of the tree. You think? Yeah. Oh yeah. That was mom pulling out of the tree. And then mom, they grabbed me the, the second time would be round three when she dropped me back in and removed the rest of my face. Uh, so as she was pulling away, uh, she paused and she repositions that I was really leaning against, I don't know if it was her front leg or a rock or a stump on the ground, but I was sitting up and then I, I got knocked back and was laying on the ground, uh, looking up. And at this point I couldn't see my right eye was smashed into my skull. Mm. I didn't, actually, I didn't think I had a right eye. My left eye was hanging out of the socket, and I just remember looking, laying on my back, and I could see this really dark colored brown thing above me, and you could see like the wet hair off to the side, and it was directly above me, and you could just sense it. So I reached up, and I could feel the belly, and I grabbed a soft part with both my hands, and I grabbed whatever I had, I twisted, and I grabbed, and I tried to pull myself up and try ripping it off, and I wrapped my legs around her neck. And just crossed them kind of like a UFC fighter. And I was just squeezing as hard as I could. And whatever I had, I was trying to rip off. She was squealing deep like a pig, bucking like a bronco. She ended up starting to roll around on the mountainside, just kind of tossing and turning. Wow. And she was really squealing, making this really awful sound. I mean, it still haunts me today. Hmm. And I could feel my back kind of sliding across the ground pretty quick. So I, I let go. And she just went squealing, running down the mountainside. Uh, at, at this point in time, I couldn't stand. I, I was feeling around my face. I couldn't mm. feel my right eye. My left eye was hanging down. In order for me to see forward, I had to like, kind of pick up my eye and tilt it. Oh, I was just man. hanging there by the by the muscles. and um, I, I, I knew relatively where I was on the hillside. I crawled down, found the trail managed to find my pack and gear mm-hmm. when i got to my gear i was feeling around the ground looking for my rifle you know i was panicking and mm-hmm. i found my rifle right away and then i grabbed some shells and i tried to put them down into the chamber of the rifle uh, i had at this time i had a tika t3 light and you, you could slide a shell into the chamber if your fingers were working uh but i couldn't i couldn't see to get it down in there and i couldn't get the shell in were, and i was panicking were, were all of your fingers just like busted at this point do you think uh my ring finger and uh, pinky finger are kind of facing different ways my middle finger i couldn't 
I couldn't move it. Like, so they're all I my thumb and my uh, index finger trying to hold it, but I, I just couldn't see well enough to put it down because sure. everything was all blurry and foggy. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I was just freaking out cause like I need my clip cause then I can actually get, get it in the gun. So I'm feeling around up the hillside, you know, all around where I was. <sighs> and the first thing I, the first thing I found on the ground was kind of fleshy and felt like a little bit of hair. I picked it up. It was my mustache and goatee. Oh my goodness. And my lips. And then uh, I picked up some other pieces, and uh, I think it was like my ear I picked up. Uh, and I was so holding these pieces with my one hand and then feeling around. Then I found, I managed to find the clip. And the first thing I did was slam in the gun. And the first thing that was dark, that looked dark to me, got three rounds. I just bang, bang, bang. Um, load up the clip right away again. The next dark thing close to me, bang, bang, bang. You know, I fired off probably nine shells right away. Um, wow. And then I'm sitting there, you know, and I got all these pieces in my face and I'm looking at them and I'm going, like, I'm I'm not making it out of here. Like, this is, I'm done for. Um, mm. You know, blood coming everywhere. I, I can hardly tell what things are. Um, I kind of, my left eye, I can kind of see and make things out really close and I had to you know like to look forward I had to tilt my head back and even then I could only see maybe three four feet everything's extremely blurry and so I'm sitting here and kind of debating you know what do I do right like I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make it um so the first thought in my head was to uh to get my phone out and to you know send a text message to my wife I mean there's no service out there I knew she wasn't gonna get it but there was basically to let her know what happened and uh, to say my goodbyes um you know I got my phone out and I really struggled with it to send her to send her a message and basically sorry I'm just gonna read my little notes here um this is uh, a little hard um so I pulled my phone. I was kind of just basically saying a goodbye to my wife and my daughter at the time. And I, I texted my wife, I'm pretty sure this is the end. You know, I'm very tired and I feel like I'm going to pass out and I won't wake up and that I love you. And, you know, take care of the little monster, which we, uh, which we, uh, which we called our daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, man, and it was just, you know, like just wishing I had one more day just yeah. to, be with them and and i put on there you know that i was got i was watching some sheep and a and bear uh come chewed on me and came back and kept coming back and i tried to i tried to make it out uh you know and i this was this was kind of the end for me mm. uh, I, you know it's one of the darkest uh points in my life i uh figured i was just gonna end it there on the on the hillside and uh i grabbed my rifle and i loaded it up and um, kind of put it against the, the butt against the, against the ground and put it underneath my chin and, uh, I pulled the trigger and I don't know what happened, but the gun, the gun just it clicked. You can definitely tell, you know, like the hammer went down and it clicked and I was just kind of shocked, but relieved at the same time. Hmm. Um, I picked up the gun and I was looking at it going like, what just happened? Like in my, you know, is this like am i did it go off did it work um and i opened up the bolt and closed the bolt again and i pulled the trigger when the gun went off right beside my head and it scared the crap out of me 
I was like, well, that was a dumb, that was a dumb mistake. Um, hmm. I was, I was uh, thinking like, you know, I, I owe it to my wife and to my little one, you know, my wife needed her husband back. Uh, my daughter needed a daddy. And so I told myself, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to try to make it a little bit further down the trail where somebody's going to find me. Cause where I was, there was no chance anyone would find me anytime soon. Hmm. And so I, Jeremy, can I stop you just for a grab second one here, of my buddy? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's easy for somebody who hasn't gone through what you went through to, to say this, but don't beat yourself up for that, man. You, you're, you're, you weren't yourself. You know what I mean? You're, you're like in this total emotional adrenaline dump, you know, like don't ever beat yourself up over that, man. I, that I can't even, I, I think anyone in those circumstances would have been thinking the exact same things and, and, uh, you know, don't, don't ever, you know, feel like you were shortchanging your, your family or whatever. I mean, it's just like the, the fastest, what, 15, 20 minutes of your life, you know, with the most stress and, and everything else, man, it's just, that's, <clears throat> I don't, I, I, I don't judge you at all, man. I, I have nothing but respect for you for, for fighting through all of that thank you yeah you know it, it is a it is a tough thing to you know to talk about it it is hard still for sure um so right after that that scared me and i just like what you know what was i thinking you know, no one's gonna find me here and i need to make it somewhere where somebody can find me to give my wife closure right away i don't want mm. her sitting at home wearing you know we had an eight-month-old daughter at the time and um this was this was kind of a scary event. Um, so then uh, I grabbed one of my shirts, sweatshirts out of my backpack and put it on upside down with the neck piece on my head and the body of the shirt opened up and I took the pieces of my face and I layered them on my skull went kind of flesh side down, you, you know, hoping, I don't know, I figured put the flesh side down, the blood flow would help. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's I pretty smart. It. When I, I I heard you say that in another interview, and I thought that was really smart right there. I mean, I don't know how it worked out in the end. We'll have to find out. But but uh, that was that was pretty smart. And, and then I folded the shirt backwards and around the back of my head. I took uh, the sleeves, I tied a knot right underneath my chin. Tried to put my chin back in place, and I tied a knot underneath there. And then I tied, you know, really tight double knot in the back of my uh, back back of my neck just to help hold it straight and that helped keep everything kind of held together mm-hmm. uh, my jaw wasn't flapping in the wind anymore it was kind of up in place um mm-hmm. there was chunks of my face hanging down that did that help, I, uh, did that help with your eye too like your one good eye did it no out, um that was still kind of hanging that was still hanging uh the it was helping on the left side where the jaw was hanging down. It was kind of hitting me in the collarbone area. And it was just, it was actually irritating. I almost wanted to cut it off at one point in time because it was just dangling down there. Every time uh-huh. you move, you'd bump into it and it just, it just frustrated you. Like, yeah. <laughs> wow. or annoyed you, I want to yeah. say. Sure. You're like, what is this hanging down? And you feel, oh, okay. I, know, I should probably keep that. Yeah. Um, and so I tied everything up, tried to hold it up. And uh, I had a, I was really hungry and thirsty at this point. Um, I tried to dump as much water as I could in my 
mouth and uh, I had these pack of Swedish berries. They're what I usually took out, take out hunting with me and sit on the bridge and, you know, eat Swedish berries and look for sheep. Uh, hmm. So I had this big family size pack in my backpack and I just, I wanted to have some. So I tried to open it up and I managed to get the bag open, but when I ripped it open, it just exploded and there were wow. Swedish berries all across the mountainside. So I grabbed what I could and I was stuffing them in the corner of my mouth, kind of in almost into my throat and was just letting them kind of dissolve and uh, I couldn't, I couldn't chew anything at this point. Sure. Uh, then I pulled on my phone and I texted my wife again and they said, I love you, honey. I'm going to, I'm going to try to make it to the truck. Uh, I probably won't make it. I'll probably die along the way. I just wanted to let her know that I didn't give up. I still didn't give up yeah. that I was going to yep. try. Then, uh, grabbed what empty shells or which shells I had left and threw in my pocket and fired off a couple more rounds. And then, uh, I tried to stand up and I couldn't, I kept falling over. I mean, the first 10 feet, I probably fell over a hundred times. I just get up and then you'd fall over the one side and you try, and I tried to use the butt of the gun as a, as a cane. And then you'd put a little bit of pressure on the leg and I just topple over again. And that was on your, uh, that was on your bad leg side, right? Yeah, and just there was, it, there where was nothing was, there basically to keep you up. No, I couldn't put any any kind of weight on there. It just would buckle and I'd fall. And then I I kind of got to, I kind of got a little system up. You know, I put the gun on there, shuffle my left leg forward a little bit, and then try to do like a zombie walk to swing my right leg over. And I I managed to get going, and I made it another fifteen feet or so. Uh, it. The trail goes down a very steep drainage along the edge of a steep drainage and there's the cliff in front of me and then the drainage on the left side. So I'll make my way down this trail. I got about, oh, maybe a quarter of the way down and then I lost my footing and I tumbled head over heels down the trail oh. into the drainage amongst all, amongst all the big boulders. Oh, man. Probably two, three hundred feet down into where it almost meets the creek where you get some pretty large size uh i'm gonna say about the twice the size of an exercise ball size boulders mm. so i'm laying in there i'm tangled in them and now this is where the pain really set in i was in a lot of pain i could hardly move anywhere i couldn't even roll over the gun was wrapped it just was over my shoulder and my arms are caught in it and i just i was just laying there and I, I couldn't really move. Everything I did hurt so much. Um, so I'm, I'm laying there in the bottom and I'm, I'm kind of the point where I'm, you know, I'm giving up. Uh, did, did you, uh, did you sustain any more significant injuries on the fall? Like, did you break any more bones like ribs or anything? I didn't break any ribs. I don't recall if I broke, I don't no, I didn't break anything more. I just more bruising and more. Sure. Know, and just aggravating body. all those other previous injuries yeah wow. and then just the you know i guess it feels like someone getting hit with a golf ball all over the place like everything just hurt oh. uh i was wearing shorts and a t-shirt too the whole time from when they got mauled by the bear to this point so all my legs were all wow. now really chopped mm. up and scraped up and Man. lots of bruising I'm, I'm laying there in the boulders and i'm just i'm done um i pull up my phone and uh, I sent a message to my wife. I tried. I mean, there's lots of, I have screenshots. Well, these, there's lots of spelling mistakes in that. Uh, but basically came out as I tried and I was trying to play some music just so I could relax and fall asleep. Cause this, there was no me, no way of getting up from there. Mm -hmm. And the, 
the uh, first song that came on ended up being the last song I played for my daughter the night before when I put her to bed. It was her uh, favorite nursery rhyme, uh, Baby Shark. And so that came on and was laying there listening to it. And to my luck, it was on repeat. Mm. Uh, and I was laying there and listening to that. And I don't know if it was because the song was on repeat or because, uh, you know, I really miss my family and want to make it back to them. I, uh, I figured I'd keep going and try to crawl up the other side of the drainage. Um, I remember just crawling over every little rock, every little, every boulder, like it was just well, its own little mountain. And I just, my object was just to get the next three, four feet, just to the next rock. And then, and then once I got to that rock, okay, I can make it to the next one. Hmm. And I managed to get up the trail, up the other side of the drainage. And I got to kind of the trail, um, crawling through the little juniper bushes and the little saplings and the willows. Just, I made a direct straight line. I got, I got to the actual trail and. When I got to there, I was like, okay, well, I can make it, you know, five more feet to the next tree. And I just wanted to get a little bit further and further down where somebody's going to find, have a more, would be able to find me. Because down on the bottom of the drainage, if I died there, there was, you know, who's going to look down the bottom of the drainage? Mm-hmm. The trail cuts, you know, two thirds of the way up. Uh, and then I got to my feet, managed to get to my feet again after crawling, probably three, 400 yards, maybe close to a kilometer. Wow. Uh, I got up and then I'm staggering through the trees and uh, I come upon the next drainage, which is just as steep and deep as the first one. Uh, but I managed to make it about halfway across and I fell down this one, but not as far. Uh, I was, uh, there was, uh, it was more like shale, small shale rock in there. So I was able to stop a little bit, not so far down. And I got to that and I, fell down there and I, and I really tried hard there because if I go, as soon as I got up to the drainage of that one, that's where the main trail ends. Uh, a lot of people go to there and I was just thinking, I got, just got to make it to there. Don't, don't pass out here. I just need to make it to there. Hmm. Uh, I remember crawling up and there was this one big spruce tree right at the edge of the trail. I was like, I just need to make it to that tree and then I'll be good. I'll just need to make it to there. And I, I got to that tree and I crawled up onto the trail and I was like, okay, like I'm good. I can I make it a little bit further down. And the whole way I just set these little mini goals, just, you know, like 10 feet more down the trail. And then <sighs> once I got going on the main trail, I, my goals kind of switched a little bit to, can I make it to the next trail that leads off of the main trail? Cause more people go to there and then make <clears> it, made it to that one. And then is, can I make it to the camp where the, where I saw the other hunters that morning mm-hmm. and I got down to that area where the camp was. And I remember walking there sideways, trying to make some kind of noise. I had a stick. I was, you know, smacking on the ground and trees, just trying to make noise. Cause I couldn't really holler or anything. I can only kind of really grunt at this point. Mm-hmm. And I got to, where the, got to where the guys are camping were camped and there was nobody there. It was empty. There was no mm. sign of tent, no horses, so I was oh, devastated because yeah. I was hoping that that was my, my ride out of there. And so nobody was there and uh, just past where they camp, there's a, a creek cut, it cuts quite deep into the trail. It's probably about a five foot drop, four or five foot drop from the top of the trail down to the bottom. And, and I, you know, I tried to make my way 
down there, but I fell head over heels, landed face uh, first into the water, head, head underneath the water. And uh, that was, re- that was refreshing. Cause I got the ice cold water on the face and everything hurt. Um, but then you're all soaking wet. So I had to crawl, crawl across that and try to crawl up the other side. Were um, you, could you and, have drowned in that situation? Like, were you weak enough to where like, <clears throat> you know, if you, if you were kind of like stuck on by a log or something or were you able to stay safe in that water i no, i was struggling quite a bit to keep trying to keep my head above the water it was probably about four to six inches deep so even laying on my back it was over my head so just oh, man. trying to do a push-up trying to you know kind of flop across or roll across uh, a little bit of panic set in there uh, but i managed to get across fairly quickly like there's a couple bigger rocks was able to pull myself across on um i mean it was only you know foot wide maybe 18 inches uh so i got it mm-hmm. i got across that and then crawled up the other side and, and it took you know, probably 10 minutes or so for me to be able to get back on my feet again trying to hold on to the saplings trying to get myself to stand up because you know falling all over and now mm-hmm. i'm soaking wet and um and then shortly after that the trail comes out of the thick spruce and goes on to uh, the, along the creek. Uh, since we had a big flood here a couple of years before, which washed the whole main creek out and all the trails. So now it's just a big braided of gravel for, you know, probably two miles. You got to walk along. Before it was a nice, real nice trail. Now it's just all blowing out. Mm-hmm. I had to, had to walk across or walk down that uh, to get to where, where there's an outfitters camp that is set up every year. I know the guys quite well that own it and I figure, well, they're always there. I'm going to be able to get some help. I'm following down this Creek. It's all braided across it probably a dozen times. Uh, oh man. You, and then you'd have all the deadfall and of course the piles of rocks and sand there and you get up to them and you kind of debate because I couldn't see very far. Do you, go through it or do you walk around it and then sometimes you walk around some of the deadfall there'd be another log and then you're walking oh, around wow. that uh, that can be very tiring yeah if some, i got i got I'm, to i'm gonna stop you again there jeremy if someone's listening in and you have never experienced deadfall it's one of it's probably one of the bigger physical challenges of walking in a mountainous area like this because uh, you could be like walking on top of logs and all of a sudden you look down you're like 10 feet off the ground you know on top of a log or you step over one log and you're now more stuck than what you were before you stepped over that log when you get down to the other side and there's more trees there that are blown down it's, this, it's this miserable is more, stuff let alone this is more like being in the condition Jeremy's in here. <laughs> this would be like more walking in deadfall uh, from a floodplain. So you got all the all oh. the the trees that are haven't quite lost all their branches yet. So they're and they're tangled up with all the dirt and grass. Oh. Like like it's just like floodplain climbing over trees. It's a maze and a half. It sounds like <laughs> tangled. <laughs> I just remember working my way around and trying to decide, do I climb over it? And then you, you know, like you're saying before you get to the next, you get over that log and there's two more and you're like, nah, I should have just walked around. Right. It. And, um, and I managed to get through all of that and I got close to the camp and 
Delfer's camp. I knew that area very well. I get up to the to the camp. They have electric fence going around there to keep the bears out when they're not there and when they're there. Uh, I remember opened up the fence. I got to the first tent. I zipped it open, whipped it open. Nobody there. And I couldn't hear any horses or see anything. I get to the next tent, open that one up. Nobody in there. And they had they had three tents. The third tent's like their shower tent. Well, there was nobody in that one either. I got came back to the first tent was their main tent. They got a big picnic table in there, and so they keep all their food. Uh, so I got in there, and there's a big white cabinet on the right side of the tent, right at the door. And I was looking for a radio or a sat phone, and I was feeling around. There was nothing on the end of the shelves, and I saw this cabinet it had a fancy gate lock thing on you had to turn and I couldn't I had no dexterity in my fingers to turn it and I tried and and I just said screw it I grabbed the corner of the cabinet it's probably four foot by four foot by 12 feet deep I just grabbed the corner of it and I pulled it knocked it on the floor hoping that it would open up and, and it broke open and cans of food rolled all across the floor and I'm sifting through there looking for you know a phone or or something and then uh, I found uh what it looked like a, a velcro pouch and it was about the right size of uh, the old school mic phones. Used to have the walkie-talkie phones mm-hmm. and the flip one. So I thought that's what it was. And I was so excited to open it up. And it was a pocket knife. Oh, and pliers. And yeah, Leatherman one. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that sucks. Oh. Uh, and it, when I was going through the cans, there's these this triangle-shaped can. Uh uh, everybody, everybody knows when you see the shape of it. It's just a triangle can, and it's usually full of spam or or some type of ham. And I knew what it was, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm so hungry. I'm gonna try some of that." But it had the little T hook that you had to put in yep. the can, try to roll sure. the yeah. lid off. Well, my fingers weren't doing that. <laughs> oh no, uh, man! So at this point, the only I, break you have caught in all of this was. Um, baby shark was the the baby shark is really the only thing that you've had go your way at this point everything else has been complete new hurdle to overcome so your morale your morale has to be like tanking right at this point it was it was pretty far gone when i when i didn't when the guys weren't there at the camp you know morale dropped down to like less than 50 percent when i got to the outfitters yeah. camp which i thought was you know this is my backup for right? right nobody there i mean morale's at all time low it just what do you do like i'm not going to make it out where do you call it where do you at this point in time I'm thinking where do you call it quits you know so where can somebody find you quickly it was just mm-hmm. that's what i was looking for is a place where somebody could find me mm-hmm. quickly um so I'm in the camp there and I'm starving and I'm just totally exhausted. So I grabbed another couple of other cans, started trying to bash the lid open and managed to get a corner of it open and, you know, stick it in the corner of my mouth and it was tasting pretty good. So I got to the picnic table and sitting at the picnic table and trying to eat this ham. And as I was trying to eat it, there was blood was just dripping down on the table and I'd wipe it up and it'd keep going. And it was, I'm going to say it may sound bad, but it was very irritating. You just, you just drip drip and you're trying to clean it up and yeah like a <laughs> moment of insanity almost just trying yeah to keep up with the mess or whatever but it's like oh, i have bigger fish to fry here than cleaning up this mess <laughs> well i was just more like i'm trying to eat this is this is annoying me it just i need you know like mm. it just this blood keeps yeah. dripping yeah so mm. there was bounty sheets on the table so i grabbed them and just started 
uh, I actually tried to move my, uh, tried to the flop of my skin on the left side of my jaw, I tried to fold it up to wrap in the bounty sheets. And as I was doing that, my jaw just slid into place and clicked and it just felt like all this pressure, um, relief from my face. And, oh, I, and then I kind of moved my, moved my jaw a bit. So that was, that was, wow. that felt good. So as I've got it up, I'm wrapping my face in these bounty sheets and just trying to stop the bleeding or just trying to stop the blood from dropping. And then, uh, I was digging around in there and I found what looked like uh, athletics tape or uh, medical white tape. Sure. Probably thicker, like two and a half inches. And I grabbed that and I just started trying to tape everything in place just to hold it up. Mm. And my hands, I was looking at my hands and I got these big massive holes in my hands. So I, so I taped them up. And then, uh, I was thinking, well, my looking at my leg, I can see the blood squirting out all around my knee. So I did like a, like a cross over my knee and tied it in around the back, just kind of like how we used to do when I played football, we tied or taped our knees up, mm-hmm. but I was taping up, trying to cover the, um, the holes in my leg and hopefully try to give it some strength. And I'm sitting at the table eating my ham and, um, debating what I should do. I'm so exhausted. Uh, I grabbed a sleeping bag in the corner and I laid it out in the middle of the floor and thinking, well, this is a good place. You know, I'm, I'm so tired. Uh, I opened up the wood stove and these outfitters are really good. They always keep the fire all ready to go, kindling mm-hmm. and everything inside, matches yeah. on top. So I was going to light a fire and, and get it nice and warm in there and just fall asleep. And uh, I'm sitting there and, of course, uh, Baby Shark is still playing on repeat. Uh, this is, you know, three, four hours in. Mm-hmm. I didn't change it. It's <laughs> crazy. And I'm I'm sitting there, and I figured, well, I better write the uh, outfitter note, let him know who I am, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, apologize because I made a huge mess. There's blood all over the place. Like, there's a stack of paper and a sharpie on the table, so I grabbed it and I wrote my you know, name on there. Hi, my name is so and so. Sorry for the mess and uh, um. On the backside, I know it was more for my wife was uh, to let the people know, like, this is my wife's name and uh, to let her know that I tried. And I sat sat there on the table and then I was thinking, you know, like, curl up in the sleeping bag or what to do. Um, I figured, heck, you know, it's maybe they're walking, maybe the outfitters are coming in and uh, they'll be on the trail. So I'll see if I can go and meet them or, you know, uh, so I, uh, grabbed my gun, fired the last three bullets out of it, dropped it in the tent right next to the note, zipped up the tent. I put the electric fence back on. Uh, and when I was leaving, I grabbed, they had a tetra pack of juice boxes. I grabbed them and there was five juice boxes left and I had about, uh, five miles to go from the camp. Man, I was just going to save one. How far had you walked at the, it crawled, walked from... So let's just go, let's kind of break it down. So from from the last attack to where you fell down the drainage, how far was that distance, do you think? uh, From where I was attacked to the bottom of the drainage, probably 600, 700 yards. Okay. Mm. And then you got back up to the trail after a long, hard crawl out of the drainage. Um. And then when you got to the trail, how far was it to this outfitter camp? So from there to the outfitter camp, probably about seven, seven, eight kilometers. Okay. 
And then now you so, have five miles. Left. It's, yeah, it's five miles exactly. So seven point uh, six and a half, seven kilometers. I just uh, I know there's mile markers on the road there. Uh, sure. Well, there used to be an old road, and there's these old mile marker signs. But so from their camp out is five miles, a little over seven kilometers. Man. Um, and so I was sucking back. I was figuring, you know, every mile, every signpost there, I was going to suck back a juice box and just set it there on the trail. And um, so I got, I made it out to, it was the last hill you got to climb up and it's, or walk up. It's quite a steep hill, quite long. And once you get to the top of the hill, it's, uh, you know, about a kilometer to the truck, maybe a little bit less. Um, but the hill's quite nasty. And I remember I got to the bottom of it. The creek crosses right there. And I got to that last creek crossing. And I'm kind of thinking, do I walk down the creek, follow the creek out to the bridge, hike up to the road, and then hike back an extra kilometer? Just because it's all fairly mm-hmm. flat. Mm-hmm. But it's it's longer. Or do I go up the uh, up the hill and down the other side to the truck, which is quicker. Uh, but a little more tougher to go mm-hmm. and you know the whole time i had thinking well i'm not going to make it so i better stick to the trail so somebody can find me uh so i start hiking up this hill and you know i can't see very far i'm just focusing on my feet just one shuffling my feet up the hill and uh near the top of the hill about three quarters of the way up there's these two rocks about shoebox size a little bit bigger than shoe boxes and they're right in the middle of the trail and for the last you know 17 years of me riding in there You'd hit him with your bicycle. You'd almost fall off your bike every time. And I've always been too lazy to move him off the trail. <laughs> but I've never been so relieved in my life. I'm just stuffing my feet up. And then I see these two rocks. I'm thinking, I'm going to make it. Like, I knew at that point I was going to make mm. it because that's right wow. near the top of the hill. And I and I knew I had, like, one kilometer left to go. I'm going to make it. And I had so, one juice box left. So did you just get so this, I, like just giant jolt of like morale and energy when you saw those yeah i don't know if it was wow. the juice box or the or the rocks <laughs> itself but i remember i just <laughs> i just squirted that juice box in my mouth i was so happy squirted in there and i kissed my hands and i touched the rock and i was like thank you rocks like i was never so happy to see these rocks before that is awesome and then i made my way over the rocks and down the <laughs> down their trail or road and then right at the where the truck was parked, like 15 feet from where the truck is parked, there's a gate going across the road, so you can't drive in with quads or whatnot. Um, I get to the gate, and I made a fatal mistake. I could have gone to the left, like 80 yards around the edge of the gate uh, on a nice trail and come up onto the road, or I can go to the right side through a little bit of a swamp, and it's only 30 feet, and then back to the road. Or you can do the dumb idea that I didn't duck underneath the gate. Oh, um, no. I ducked I ducked underneath the gate, and as I was going underneath the gate, I got very lightheaded, and I and I was passing out. Oh. There was a road sign, like one of those channel road signs with the holes every yeah. way. Yeah, uh, So I jammed my fingers in there, trying to get my fingers in the holes and trying to hold on to this sign with all my might, and I was wobbling and falling over, and... It must have been, you know, uh, seven to ten minutes of me just holding on for dear life until I was able to get enough strength to kind of stay on my body and then try to stand up. But I was just, I was going to pass out. And I felt so stupid because I'm that close to my truck and I decided to do something that dumb. Man. 
So I'm holding on to this sign and I'm just, just like, come on, just hang in there. And when I finally got enough strength and things weren't so dizzy and spinning, I managed to get up and I got to my truck. And the first thing I did was put my hands over top of the mirror, of the side mirror of the truck and I pushed it forward. I didn't want to see what I looked like. I opened up the truck door and, and sat in the seat and I took my rear view mirror and just pushed it all the way because I really didn't want to see. And, uh, I fired up the truck and I remember grabbing the steering wheel and looking out the front window and I couldn't see the end of the hood. Like I couldn't tell where the end of the hood of the truck was. Uh, you know, I'm feeling like you feel the windshields there. Like where's the end of the truck? And I rolled down the window and I looked out the window down and I couldn't see the ground. It just was very oh, gray. When I'm looking out the front windshield, you can just see like open sky or like a light spot and then dark green on the sides. Um, it was a very spru- thick spruce tree area. So I just, I figured the light spot was the road and I was going to aim for the middle of it and just drive and see what happens. Hmm. Uh, I was hoping somebody would be on the road, on this gravel road in the middle of nowhere, hoping like a well guy would be driving by or somebody on the road, but there was nobody, mm. uh, this road. So it's a very mountainous road. You're up quite high. It goes up and over a few steep ridges. Uh, I say over 40% of the road is drops off the side of a mountain. And there's just mm-hmm. these metal posts every 10 feet with a cable going through as a guardrail, a very old wow. washed out gravel road. Oh man. And that's it like, makes them that's pretty horrifying. Oh yeah. I can't it, imagine. <laughs> it uh, it quite it you know zigzags quite a bit. There's a couple of very steep uh, serpentine swings uh, where if you go off, you know you're going down quite a long right. ways. Mm. I mean, on any given day, going 50 kilometers an hour down this road is like the fastest you can do on a good day. Mm-hmm. So I took it. This well, it was 22 kilometers, I believe, from where I was parked to the first. Uh, place for help and so that took me about 45 minutes or so to drive that far and i thought the whole time i was riding against the guardrail or in the ditch just because it's so bumpy and and i mean i couldn't tell i just aiming for a light spot and hopefully sticking near in the middle of that so were you just Um, like tilting your head way back so you could see from that pretty much or holding or holding my eye up at points of time i was holding my eye up trying to get it because when you tilt the head back it You'd have the blood would run into your mouth and into your throat, and it's hard to breathe. Mm, man. Um, so I made it to the first resort, or there's like a along that road. There's a bunch of horseback riding places and campsites, but it, this is way back in the bush. It's not like your um, real fancy. They're pretty fancy areas, but they're not very well known. Like you know, say like Banff National Park, where you got trail riding, huge signs. Right. This is just. Like a little sign on the edges of the road that says Panther River Resort. I mean, you'd miss it if you weren't paying attention or knew where to look. We were there the weekend before, so I knew the knew how to get into there. So I drive in, and parking lot's full. I tried to park my truck in between two vehicles. Uh, you know, I can hardly see and tell. And I tried once, and I said, screw this. I'm just going to drive right up in the no driving zone and pass the sign and just park right on their doorstep and walk in. And, um I park right there and walk up the, uh, onto the deck and it's circular shaped, uh, building, wood building, uh, log cabin style. It's got these long, um, trusses that come down on an 
angle, sticking out like a kind of like an octagon. Mm-hmm. And then when you're walking on the deck, because I'm tall, you, you hit your head on these. And as I'm walking along the deck, I'm trying to watch my head out from hitting these. And of course, there's these huge bay windows all around it. Mm-hmm. As I'm getting close close to the door, I notice a little shadow in the window just kind of disappear. And as I'm opening the door, I can hear this little voice. Uh, grandma, grandma, somebody's trying to play a prank on us. Cause I mean, I look like a zombie walking in. Oh man. And, yeah. and I, and I, you know, first thing he says, no, I just need some help. I got mauled by a bear, but I was really mumbling and, uh, you can kind of tell what I was saying. And they're like, oh my, you know, like, what can we do for you? And I handled my cell phone and wallet. Like, this is who I am. You know, please call an ambulance or something. Right. Uh, so they're. One lady ran off to go do that. The other lady, like, is there anything I can get you? And I guess I asked for a a, temp, uh, a glass of water, medium temperature water, no ice, and a straw. So I got that, and I'm sitting there or standing there sucking back this water or trying to. And of course, there's a blood trail of me coming in, and so I grabbed some rags and I started to clean up the floor. And the one lady's just freaking out me, like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Well, I'm making a mess," and she's like, "Just like, calm down." <laughs> <laughs> you well, either either you were like totally out of it, your mind at this point, or you were just feeling like so, <laughs> like I felt like, I felt almost, bad, like almost giddy at, at the like what you've overcome at this point. Do you think that was part of it? Like you were just like almost doing a victory lap in your brain a little bit there. No, I think I was just more. I was just like I made a mess. I got to clean it up. This is a nice little fancy cabin thing, and you know, and I wouldn't want to get. <laughs> blood over the place i wow man (laughs) i feel like throughout this too like i'm just sitting here just amazed at how well you've just kept composure in your mind like how clearly you thought i feel like that's super unique and obviously i think that speaks further to like what we started this podcast with is your experience and preparedness like i know like in my head no way like my i you you thought so clearly from from even the first attack to to crawling and thinking through things i'm i'm just sitting here not a normal human isn't doing this i mean and a normal <laughs> like i mean you're wiping up your own blood you're thinking through these scenarios that and you break your arm you're probably not thinking this way but what you, you've encountered i mean i'm i'm i mean i'm just enamored by it because i mean there's so many factors there that are just crazy yeah, that you thought through point. so well that's a great uh, I was point, very, Caleb. I was very calm throughout the whole throughout the whole event, and I remember you know every little rock. I remember the trees. Like I've been back to the site three times now since the bear attack, and uh, one with the one with my wife right at the actual scene, and then the, on the third anniversary, I was with a buddy. We went back in there, and then on the fifth year anniversary, which was just last year, me and my wife went in there, and I did a play by play from basically where I got mauled to where I got out all the landmarks. Like I remember it also vividly. Um, I, wow. I remember just being really calm. And when I got to the lodge, they got me. So after clean up the blood and they were yelling at me to get out of there and, uh, or not yelling at me to get out, but to stop cleaning up, they <laughs> got me out of the lodge. Cause there was a wedding party that was coming in. There's going to have a wedding there at this resort, uh, shortly after I got oh. in there. Uh, <laughs> so they're just, just, just trying to get me out of the main, you know, the main lodge. Um, so they got me in my truck and they drove me around the back to where the helicopter 
uh, Pat is because, you know, figured stars is going to come flying out there and pick me up. Mm-hmm. And they got me in the passenger seat of my truck and they drove me to the back and got the door open. And they, they had this young lady uh, at the truck sitting there. The door opened up and uh, she was basically watching out for me and uh, never looked me in the face. I, I don't, I, to this day, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> it was the most quietest, like, 10 minutes ever. And just to break the science, I was like, you know, how old are you? Do you have a boyfriend? Um, just, like, random questions. Do you have a dog? Just because it was just awkward wow. silence, yeah, right? Yeah. And she would answer short answers. And, and then you could just hear the other ladies running back and forth uh, on the gravel and you can just hear them running. They're huffing and puffing, trying to tell each other what's going on. And I, and at one point in time, I stopped and yelled at them. I was like, "Hey, calm down, guys. I'm okay. I'm just missing my face. I just, I need you to be calm." <laughs> oh my goodness! So at this point in time, I was like, "Okay, I made it this far. I want to make it out of here. And if you're freaking out, you're not going to yeah. be able to help me. Yeah, I need you to stay great. focused." Wow. Well, that's a good point. And, and so the one that they just came out and she says, okay, we got a helicopter coming. It's going to be here in 20 minutes. And of course I'm sitting there going, okay, 20 minutes. Well, that's a long freaking time to wait. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I'm doing pretty good. There's a really nice, uh, bull trout fishing stream, like 20 <laughs> feet away. I got out of my truck and I started trying to get my rod out of the back and my hands are all messed up, but I'm oh, trying to get my rod out. Oh my goodness. And the one, the girl sitting there next to me, she's like, well, whatever, go fishing. She wasn't going to try to stop me. Uh, one of the other ladies at the lodge, the owner, she comes out. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going fishing. There's a nice trout stream right there. I'm going to go fishing while I'm waiting for the helicopter. She's like, you can't do that. Get back in your truck. And so she's yelling me, get back. So I get back in my truck. And I'm like, okay, well, can you guys take off my boots? Because my feet really hurt. She's like, no, just sit there and just wait for the helicopter. <laughs> oh, <Wow>. man. <laughs> so the, the helicopter lands. And then, I, you know, I water over there. I get into the helicopter. And they have this. It was real fancy helicopter like i remember um i've been in it after but i just remember getting in there and they had this big blue tarp stretch up across the back and they got me in there so i'm sitting in this i get the idea the idea this is a real fancy helicopter uh so i'm sitting in this tarp and the helicopter takes off i got no headphones on so i can't tell i mean i had no ears or anything so i couldn't really tell what was going on they lifted off and and I haven't been in a helicopter in the mountains, you know, in this area. And I was really excited. I wanted to see out the window. So I'm trying to lean over, look out the window. Of course, my eyes don't work. I can't see nothing, but I'm really trying hard to, to look, to look. And as I'm leaning over, Amanda, one of the owners, uh, she's one yelling at me not to go fishing. Uh, so I'm looking out the window. I'd feel this really sharp pain in my side and I turn and look at her and she'd pull up this blue tarp. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you know, and I look out the window again and she'd poke me and I'd look at her and she'd pull the tarp up again. I'm like, what are we doing? Playing peekaboo here? Like, this is like, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, <laughs> this is what I saw. I was like, what the heck? Well, when I was leaning over, looking out the window, she thought I was passing out. And so she was trying to wake oh, me up. Okay, and yeah. Then when I turned to look at her, blood would spray everywhere. So she'd move up the tarp to cover herself from oh, the blood. Oh my goodness. But it just, wow. it just looked like it was all in slow motion. She was playing peekaboo with me. And so <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, the, the helicopter lands in this little small town, not too far away. Well, about a half hour flight. Uh, it's called Sundry. It's a you know, small town, very small emergency room. We go in there and it's just the emergency room is like a bed in the waiting room. Uh, they bring me in. Well, before I get to the helicopter lands 
And you could see there's a line of people out on the tarmac kind of walking walking to the helicopter. No one's in a real hurry, you know. I could just see all these these kind of blurry images. Well, normally a bear attack, though, is like a couple scratches and a few bite marks, right? It's not mm-hmm. nothing that oh. severe. And now here I am sitting up in the helicopter. I'm sitting upright. They can't really see what's going on. I got my faces all wrapped up. They're thinking it's not that severe. Um, they open up the door of the helicopter, and I turn my head and kind of looked at him and said, hi. That's when panic set in. People saw, you know, I had no face. They freaked right out. Um, they're trying to pull me out of the helicopter. Amanda's sitting next to me there. She's yelling at him, like, hold on, guys. Just let him get out because I was screaming. I was in pain. They're trying to drag me out. She's like, just let him. He can get out himself. Well, one of the doctors tried cutting through the back behind the helicopter. And it's an open tail rotor. So Amanda dives underneath the helicopter, football tackles the doctor and trying to hold oh them, people back goodness. walking into walking into the rear blade of the helicopter. And so there's all this commotion going on. And then I just feel this little tiny set of arms wrap around my chest and pull me out the back door of the helicopter. This little tiny nurse, maybe five foot two, 100 pounds, soaking wet, just grabs me, picks me up, slides me out of the helicopter and then throws me on a gurney and then they pushed me inside the hospital inside the inside the hospital there wow yeah that's that's so wild man so and so wild. is it nighttime i mean it's still the daytime at this point like are you is it the afternoon or evening that i'm assuming this is about 5:45 5 5:30 to 5:45 p.m. that's a good question Caleb so from so the attack was at 9:36 in the morning so till you just said five, five, what? Five thirty ish. Is that what you said? Oh, four, four thirty to five forty-five ish. Okay. So what is that? That's uh, twelve hours would be nine o'clock. So four hours shy of that. So basically eight, nine hours. Since yes. man, you were making good time on your hike out. All things considered, for as far as you covered, and mm-hmm. and uh, then. You know, and and good time for driving down and the helicopter getting there at a must have been pretty reasonable amount of time too. So <clears throat> all things, things, for, things from from a time standpoint, you did really well, I'd say. Well, from the uh, <clears throat> from like. Uh, Sundry to Calgary, I arrived because we Sundry couldn't do anything for me there. They're not prepared for any kind of massive stuff like this. They sent me to Foothills Hospital in Calgary, which is where I live. And, and uh, I remember I ro- arrived there at 9.17 at night. Um, wow. So that's the first place they actually could do anything for me. The wow. uh, At Sundry, they just uh, filled me full of antibiotics and really popped an IV in and didn't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they sent me on the ambulance to Calgary when I got to Calgary. Yeah, 9.17 at night. <laughs> That's when they uh, did, well, I went in for surgery and, um, yeah, x-rays and all that good stuff. Is there yeah. a, was there a, a factor of blood loss that, you know, that they did they ever tell you, like, there you had, you were within an hour or two or, you know, for that, because you, you're saying in the helicopter, you're still, yeah. I mean, you're still losing a lot of blood for quite a while. So... Uh, when I got to the lodge, the lady said there at the lodge, I wasn't bleeding very much until uh, I had some Gatorade. They gave me, a, I had a Gatorade roll in my truck and they gave me that and that, uh, and then I relaxed when they helped, when 
they told me the helicopter's coming and just when it started to arrive, I started to relax and I started to bleed a lot more. They said, but when I first got in there, it wasn't really bleeding at all. And I started bleeding a lot more and we got to sundry, it, things kind of dried up again. Wow. Uh, the only time they gave me blood was between the second or just after the first surgery, before the second surgery, they gave me one unit of blood. Uh, that's the only time that I recall them really? ever giving me blood during the whole wow. stay. Yeah. So I guess that'd be another break that you caught was that <clears throat> throughout all of that incredible amount of damage done to you, no major arteries were ever severed to a point where you, you bled out. It, it, it was pretty close because there's the one on the side of your head that goes up, um, mm -hmm. right up by your ear here. So that one got uh, ripped off. But when I tied the tourniquet, I tied it tight around, and it kind of clocked everything oh, off okay. in my neck. Mm -hmm. So that helped. Yeah, the other thing that helped, tourniquet. too, is my – yeah. The other thing, too, is bears don't understand clothing. It doesn't act like hide. So when the bear bite bit down on some of the other areas of me, uh, it didn't go as deep because it doesn't – like a shirt, a loose shirt doesn't act like a hide, so they don't know, so they don't bite as deep. On my – on my inner thigh, there was a big chunk missing on my inner thigh, but right where my fennel artery is, there's a bunch of teeth marks all around there. Because my shorts were, were loose shorts, it oh. didn't fully bite down. If she would have fully bit down, it would have been a different story. Because they wow. don't understand hmm. clothing, they don't bite as deep. They don't. It doesn't act like that's a normal hide. So, so that's wow. one of the other things that saved me too is the fact sure. loose clothing. Then your your tape up job, you know, when you got to that. Yeah, that's and true too. Have you yeah, have you talked pressure. to that outfitter? Did they ever recount their them getting back to camp to you of just a, uh, the, the blood trail coming in and exiting <laughs> and just the confusion they must have felt? Like, what in the world is this? Or did they know? They know. They knew right away. So the at the lodge that I went to, uh, they were very good friends with the outfitter. Plus, the outfitter knew me. Like we just knew from passing, but mm -hmm. the. The people that flew me out, they actually, after they fly me to Sundry, they flew back to the camp and picked up my rifle right away um, just so they want to make sure they get my gun. And then they phoned the other outfitter, whose tent it was, and they went in there the next morning and cleaned up and they got the note and picked up the empty shells they found and they rode into down the trail where I got mauled looking for any of my gear that I may have left along the way because wow. they wanted to make sure I got it. Hmm. Um, wow. But yeah, they... They cleaned everything up. They even saved the uh, the bear flagging because they usually flag off the area when they, the trails for bears being in the area. So they they kept the signs when they removed it all. They they took a whole bunch of things and came to visit me in the hospital. And wow, wow. was your bike frame found or is that? You no, know, the bike. Uh, they brought the bike out. Uh, it was all good. I had to replace a bunch of spokes on it, but uh, it was all. All good. I still ride it today. It's no way. Wow. Oh, yes. wow. That's, that's awesome. I, I bring it around with wow. me when I do book signings. I bring the bike and I got my binoculars. I have my shirt that I was wearing that day, the backpack, and I, you know, kind of show a demo of what it, what it looked like. Sure. Wow. So, you know, at, at this point, you know, we're, and, and we're, pushing the two hour mark here when you let Jeremy get back to his family. And that, right. But, but, uh, the, just such a fascinating story and, and one of victory. I think that's the biggest thing here is despite all odds, Jeremy came out victorious on this and, uh, um, you know, got, got back home to his family to, uh, uh, you know, 
see them again and and Mm -hmm. be a part of his kids lives and and i've seen through instagram you have a another kid now and my my kid's telling me good night right now too (laughs) night buddy (laughs) sleep well but uh you got to you got to uh um get back to your family but there's i'm sure just uh, and we don't have to go through all of this, but a really long road to recovery. I imagine all the surgeries, um, you look great. I mean, unless, unless you, uh, yeah, you can definitely see more. So Jeremy's, uh, showing us his, his, uh, scalp right now. You can definitely see yeah. where, where there's been, you know, I guess it'd be skin grafts, right. That they would have, yeah. they would have done. And, but really, all things considered, Jeremy looks really, really like a normal guy on the Skype call. I'm sure, you know, if we were sitting next to him, we'd see more more examples of, of the damage that was done. But mm-hmm. his surgeon did an excellent job uh, helping him, yeah. uh, you know. Oh, did uh, your idea of putting the skin on your skull, did that help preserve those pieces? I well, they're all there. As you can see, there's one piece that uh, I didn't find or didn't bring out. Uh, I think the bear liked that one the best and took it. So. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's good you still have a sense of humor, man. Oh uh, man! But but did that? You gotta. Did it save your goatee and your uh, ear to have put it on your skull like that? Like you were thinking? Did that preserve them? Well. <laughs> You know, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, they're all there. Everything is still intact. Uh, my ears are, you know, they're still there. Took a lot of stitches so are, to put them back are, on. Those aren't prosthetic. Those are, those are no, your ears. those are real. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, I'm not a doctor or anything, but, but, uh, you know, I, I used to teach in human anatomy and physiology and the idea of, you know, trying to keep the, that, that tissue that was, was, uh, you know, where the vascular part of that tissue would be close to other vascular tissue. That, that's just, that's a smart, mm. smart move. I mean, <laughs> but I'm not a doctor either or anything like that. So maybe I'm far off, but it seems, it seemed pretty, uh, pretty good sense when I heard you say that in another podcast, like, yeah, that's, that's a brilliant idea, but you know, it's probably why you were able to keep a lot of that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I imagine, um, uh, so I, in hearing you in another interview, you had to have titanium cheekbones, right? And eye sockets, eye sockets and mm. chunks of my forehead and pieces of my skull. Uh, there's quite a lot of titanium there now. Sure. And as far as your eyes go, is your vision pretty good in your surviving eye? Uh, so I can see out of both eyes. The, the eyes are slightly, oh, they, were, they were able to save your other eye. Well, the other eye was just smashed back into my skull just because my eye sockets are so busted oh, up it just was clogged okay. in with all the muscle tissue and everything that's um, great but no both both eyes i could see out of um i could kind of close them independently but when i sleep my eyes are still open oh, okay. and so in order yeah, to yeah. sleep i gotta tape them shut and fill them with goop just to help them from drying out sure uh but my eyes are slightly misaligned in L in height. So I have to wear prism glasses. They help, uh, make everything, I guess, more 3d. Cause without sure. my glasses, things kind of look more 2d and when, just make things pop out my prism glasses. So, sure. uh, but I get 20, 25 vision. So the same as I had before. Wow. Um, 
No wow. tear ducts, though. They tried doing a surgery on that a few times, but uh, it still hasn't quite worked. It, so my eyes fill up with water when I look down. I can't see when I look down because of the fill up with uh, my eyes fill up with water. And, um, you know, I get dry nose, things like that, just from no tear ducts. Uh, sure. Working. So do you have to do, like, just a lot of eye drops, uh, some gel or something in your nose, I imagine? Like uh, lot, nasal spray or something? Of, not so much nasal spray, but lots of eye drops. And some of the moisture does come down. It just, on my uh, left side nose, The it used to have quite the hole that went up uh, three quarters of the way up my nose. And it used to dry out really quick because of the air it sucked sure. in. But they took a chunk out of my ear out and managed to kind of form more of a nose on the one side. Okay. It's a little bit of a... Yep, yep. You can see, still goes up a little bit. But they mm. create a little lip in there to help hold some of the moisture it doesn't dry out as easy wow what about like on the so like where he bit you on your back i know those mu- what, you know i've heard of people they injure like the trapezius muscle that's just like a it's such a big muscle with so much tension there all the time that like that can really cause people a lot of pain for a lifetime like a bad injury there uh do you have like a lot of pain from where the bear bit you there on your your shoulder neck area i got a i got a, I got a lot of pain everywhere and i have uh there's a lot of parts of my body that i don't feel like my left leg there's chunks of my left leg my ankle i i don't have any feeling in my sure. fingertips um my face large chunks of my face and head i don't i can't feel and one of the things that you kind of look forward to this may sound funny but when you go take a shower and you get the hot water in your head and you run your fingers through your hair mm-hmm. like that's such a awesome feeling um now it's like put a helmet like a bicycle helmet on your head and you only get the little spots where you can feel the water and then try running your fingers through it you just you don't get that sensation yeah it's just the small things like that that kind of bug you that you don't really realize yeah. until you have to almost like not think about it or it would bug you yeah that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's 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 crazy man but man yeah. all things considered you you you're a hero. You're a hero of mine for sure. And somebody that I look up to is, as, uh, I don't, I'm not even going to title this one surviving a bear or a grizzly <laughs> attack. I'm calling it fighting off a grizzly attack. Uh, that's, man, you're a fighter in every sense of the word, brother. I've never heard of a tougher person. And I said that when I said, when I, when I texted mm-hmm. the group. Yeah about all right who's going to co-host this one with me this is the toughest guy uh, toughest person i have ever heard of i mean just just i'm not just trying to blow smoke at you man it's what you did what you what you sir i don't again yes you survived but what you fought through is i mean it's legendary the bear attack is actually the actual surviving that and crawling out was a very you know traumatic and very hard thing to do but in the long scheme of things that was probably the easiest thing to do it was the Mm. mental stuff after Mm. the nightmares the ptsd the constant flashbacks um, that was more destructive than the bear Mm. Uh, with the ptsd i was getting constant flashbacks in the hospital constant nightmares i mean i'd be (laughs) at work and somebody take an ice tray and crack it and it put me right into the spot of the bear chewing on the back of my head. Um, that, that was a hard part and that was hard to be able to say, Hey, I need some help. Um, Mm -hmm. that's another, one of the really hard things to say, but 
you know, guys are supposed to be nice, strong, muscular guys, look after their families and that. But when your head's not right, you can't look after them. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things, first thing I did was ask for help. And like, I needed help. There's no way I was going to overcome this by myself. And it was three and a half, four years of constant struggles, mm-hmm. no sleep and random things uh, bringing back the flashbacks. And it brings you right back into the moment where, like, say, the bear's chewing on your dirt dragging you back in and then when you come out of it you're so confused your days you don't know where you are it's just it's not a fun situation one of the the i'll make this quick but one of the most lowest points of the ptsd where i really knew i needed to do something Uh, i was about two and a half years in i got home from work early beat my wife home and i was laying on the couch and i fell asleep and because my eyes don't fully close uh my little one thought that I was awake and so when my wife came in, the little one came running in to jump on me, like, you know, she normally does. And of course I was sound asleep. And as soon as she landed on my chest, it put me right into a flashback and I threw her across the room and I was, you know, tossing and turning and, um, pretending or thinking I was fighting a bear. And so my daughter is sitting there screaming cause she got hurt. My wife was trying to, hold my daughter trying to hold me back trying to get me out of it and then when i came to you know, so confused why is everybody screaming why is this going on like the bear was just here what's just that was a real that was a oh. scary moment because you just you don't want to hurt anybody yet right i did right. yeah man that I, was hard yeah <clears throat> you know that's i don't even know what to to say to encourage there but it's totally understandable that, that that's you know part of that going forward the the battle that keeps you know keeps sticking around but have are you doing a lot better now since those days uh, yeah it was up until april about a year ago i got into a new kind of therapy what was new to me fairly new i guess in the last 20 years it's called a art accelerated resolution therapy it's voluntary image replacement and you go in and you play through the scene. Uh, they kind of like reprogram your brain. So when you hear mm-hmm. ice tray break, it, it's now you're thinking of, you know, there's ice cold drinks, right? You're thirsty. Uh, to me, sure. my brain was programmed to that was the bear tune on my head. So now it just kind of repro- helps reprogram your brain hmm. to what the actual sound is versus what your mm. brain thinks is wow. that ties into trauma. So it works, you know, with the scent. I worked in a slaughterhouse at the time of the incident. So months later, when I started to get smell back, I'd smell blood, and that would put me into a flashback. Mm. It's just the most randomest things that would throw you into it. And mm-hmm. once you found all the triggers, uh, there's only so much you can do to try to avoid the triggers. And um, But they kept coming up. And then when I tried ART, the first 45-minute session of that, I slept for seven and a half, eight hours to f- straight, no flashbacks. Um, since then, I've had three to four very minor ones, and that was right when, when the book came out because uh, mm-hmm. there's some things in the book that I mentioned that, that you know I didn't want anybody to know. It was hard to tell, you know, mm-hmm. the thought of suicide and yeah. and the notes. No one knew about those, and I, it was just all overwhelming for me to come out and say that. So it caused a couple very minor ones. Yeah, um, it's a lot better now, way better. No oh, praise, praise God, man. That that's awesome. I'm so glad you're doing better, and 
that the therapy has helped and so awesome that people research that and discover mm-hmm. those those techniques to help people because uh that gives you your life back in a lot of ways so uh work now are you uh are what what are you able to do for work or is it pretty much no limitations or have you changed your career what what are you doing now i feel like you could guide anything you could be an outfitter yourself for like anywhere <laughs> uh just have lots of opportunities to do that but with the kids uh trying to be closer to home and sure uh it hasn't changed any any uh anything at work um before the mauling i was a maintenance uh maintenance manager so i got into uh more of the project management side and now i'm uh i've moved on from that first place now i'm supervisor slash manager electrician by trade so you can still do all my normal duties as a normal person i don't let anything hold me back i mean my pinky doesn't my left hand doesn't quite close all the time when i make a fist you know you got to tuck it in but there's just little things you just you can overcome and adapt and keep going. I'm not sure. going to let this slow me down. Sure. Well, good for you, man. What a, what a, uh, what a testimony to perseverance, even, you know, years after the event and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you're still out there chasing after sheep, right? I'm still, I'm still out there. The year after the mauling, I, uh, harvested a non-trophy sheep. I got drawn for the same area. Actually, it's on the other side of the mountain. And I went in there with a buddy, uh, 13 months after the mauling and hiked up in a mountain and shot a non-trophy sheep and carried her out. I was, That's I wasn't awesome. in quite, that is I wasn't awesome. quite enough shape for it, but, uh, you know, I went anyways, I just wasn't going to let the mountain, you know, uh, kill it for me. Right. Like I wanted to defeat it. I want to get back out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was actually hunting within 48 hours. I'd been out of the hospital. I went back to the <laughs> gate and met, met the ladies back at the gate and there was some spruce grouse. So I shot a couple spruce grouse with a shotgun and then it was a week after, week after that, I went out deer hunting and uh, shot a, a white-tailed doe with my rifle at like 30 yards because you know I, I couldn't hold the gun up, so we had to make a tripod to put the gun on, and sure. had to have my buddy help me set it up. Uh, and I shot a mule deer too that fall. The first one I shot with my rifle, or actually it was the second mule deer ever I shot with a rifle. Uh, you know, I had to have the tripod set up and I had to carry it around and set mm-hmm. it up and try to shoot because wasn't strong enough to hold a gun was hardly yeah. strong enough to walk with my cane and crutches and but I, I didn't give up i you know shot a nice buck and yeah, that's awesome yeah. that is so cool man what a what a great story of perseverance and toughness and grit and also knowing how to get help and when you need it and and just getting your life back and and uh man what a great example to your kids too to my kids, to, to Caleb, you know, anybody, anybody listens. listening to this <laughs> podcast, just, you know, when you really, when you set those small goals, when you think about what is most important to you, when you, and really the whole time you were thinking of others too, you know, throughout that you were thinking of others. You, you, at first it started with, well, I better get myself to a place where they can find me and they have closure that I'm not still out there somewhere lost or, or whatever, you know, or, or what, they don't even know what happened to me. Uh, they, they, you know, you were thinking of that and then you were thinking of, okay, <laughs> I better clean up my mess in this uh, tent here, get the paper <laughs> towels out and wipe up my blood and, 
saying sorry in a note. Taking the time, you know, while you're bleeding out to to write sorry on the note for sorry for the mess. And then and then uh, you know, even when you got to the um the lodge and you're cleaning up after yourself again, you know, just just uh and, and trying to make small talk so that everyone else would quit freaking out. You know, you were just always thinking of others. And I got to think that that was part of what, what kept you in the fight too, you know, was, and like Caleb talked about earlier, just helped you keep that calm state of mind that, that was, you know, really a one foot in front of the other to overcome this daunting, daunting task. And you did it, man. And, uh, uh, just, I, I'm, I'm proud to be having this conversation with you. Just, man, I feel so honored to, to, to just be talking with you and, and hearing the story from you. And, and, uh, I got to have you back on the podcast. I meant to finish this podcast with you telling us how to hunt sheep, but that's, that's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) Can we get a, can we get a podcast on Uh, sheep hunting sometime? Would that be all right? We could. Yeah, sure. I'm not sure I'd be the guy to ask because, you know, it's 17 years and one bear mauling and I still haven't got a sheep yet, so. <laughs> no, it's, it's still, you still uh, done all the scouting and everything else and you did shoot one sheep. It just wasn't a trophy sheep. And I think that's, uh, well, that, that's. I don't even know what that means. I'm going to be yeah, honest. No, what a it's, I mean, it's, any sheep yeah, is a no trophy kidding. sheep like, to me. <laughs> dude, any, any sheep, if I found a, if I found a a big horn uh, deadhead somewhere i'd feel pretty accomplished <laughs> yeah, yeah a non-trophy is just a female or you uh, so that's what we, we call a non-trophy here uh, but uh, a legal ram is uh, in this zone is a four-fifths curl and so they have to you got to draw a line from the base of the horn through the front part of the eye and the, and the horn has to wow. the end of the horn has to break that so it's you got to be you got to be sure in other words it's uh, you know, massive fines, and you can't hunt for quite a while. I'm okay. just not into that. Sure. <laughs> well, no, that's that's uh, still really cool that you got one. And uh, but yeah, would love to have you come back on. Maybe even do some more pointers on some of the other species that that you've hunted. You're you're definitely an accomplished hunter, the most accomplished that that I've had the privilege of talking to. And and just uh, again, your your story of never give up, never give in, but yeah just just uh really an awesome thing and so glad that you're doing better uh glad the story has you know a, a happy ending i guess you could say and uh it continues and we shouldn't even maybe say it's an ending i think it's just a new chapter where you're using your your platform now to reach others you uh, uh which is something we need to we need to talk about here for everyone tuning in jeremy does have an instagram uh it's a grizzly dude right is the instagram handle Um, yep the grizzly dude and i also have a web yeah and i also have a web page uh so it's the grizzly dude one uh for the instagram and uh the my web page is uh grizzlydude.ca on there i have uh all kinds of grizzly dude swag like t-shirts hats water bottles coffee mugs what uh what i'm trying to what I'm trying to do is, uh, well, I'm do, doing more motivational speaking engagements for people mm-hmm. and companies. Uh, and then, uh, I want to raise money for PTSD research to help further, uh, help, uh, um, what should we call it? Uh, research to help 
people in my situation, just different methods of treating PTSD. So, because mm. I don't wish that on anybody. And yeah. the goal is selling the t-shirts and hats. I want to kind of get things going so I can raise money to, to put towards research and same with doing the motivational speaking and chunks. So that will go towards, uh, research for helping very cool PTSD people. So, yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. Uh, so I will definitely be buying some, uh, grizzly dude gear myself. If you're tuning in, I strongly recommend you do the same. What a great cause to, uh, uh, you know, uh, support. And then also, uh, man, it's, it's almost like wearing a, almost like wearing your favorite, uh, uh, athlete's jersey or something man you put put on a grizzly dude shirt on it's like dude i got the the baddest dude on the planet's jersey on right now that's that's pretty pretty uh awesome opportunity for everyone to be able to pick up some of that gear so make sure you check that out i will put those links in the show notes of this episode and uh please do not forget the sponsors of the show first and foremost our presenting sponsor spartan forge uh get on to their website subscribe for their service get the mapping uh, capabilities that they have so you can plan out your hunt uh, safely and uh, uh, also get going with the scouting side of that. Caleb and I have been leaning on that heavily during this shed hunting season. And of course we use it uh, every day during deer season as well, pretty much. And um, we're constantly looking at it together, seeing, uh, picking apart maps, terrain features, everything else so that we're more effective in the field. And uh, also don't forget about Alex Gruen over at East to West hunts. Alex couldn't join us on this. One he is uh, with his daughters right now. I think he's skiing, and he's pretty excited to be doing that after coming back from his uh, Achilles surgery. So uh, a nice happy shout out to Alex. But head over to EastWestHunts.com. Get your own Western hunt planned. Maybe you can do a sheep hunt, or a bison hunt, or a moose hunt, or an elk hunt, or all the things that uh, Jeremy has hunted and uh, made us made us jealous with. But uh, all those uh, awesome hunts that he's done, Alex can help you plan your own. Uh, use the code FIRSTGEN10 at checkout to save yourself 10% off that hunt price. And then, uh, of course, don't forget about following everybody else who's on this show. Um, uh, we thank each and every one of you so much for tuning in week after week, episode after episode. A big, big thank you to Jeremy for being willing to share his story. And a big thank you to Caleb for coming on and doing a great job as a co-host, asking some really good questions that I think I was just like too much in shock just hearing the story to even think of myself. So thank you, Caleb, for coming in clutch there a few times. Always a uh, pleasure. (laughs) Yep, you did great, buddy. And until next time, take care and take someone hunting. You can bear it even when you think you can't.